Welcome to the Cloud Architects Podcast, a podcast about cloud, technology, and the people using it. The Cloud Architects Podcast is sponsored by Kemp Technologies. Choose Kemp to optimize your multi-cloud application deployments and simplify multi-cloud application management. A single pane of glass for application delivery, Kemp provides a 360-degree view of your entire application environment and even third-party ADCs. Download Kemp 360 for free today at kemptechnologies.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Cloud Architects Podcast. My name is Chris Goosen, and as always, I'm joined by Nicholas Blank. Hello. And today we have a really, really exciting guest. We're super excited to talk about this topic and with this guest in particular, uh, Donovan Stevens. Say hello. Hey guys, good morning uh, from the US. Nice to nice to see you. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us. And actually, we're in the same we're in the same city. So, had it not been for pandemic, we probably could have been in the same room recording this. But sadly, we've had to uh, you know adapt and move on. I guess just like everyone else in the world, right? Yeah. So, uh, not joined by Warren today. So, if those are uh, Warren fans, sorry guys, uh, Warren's a little out of sorts. But uh, uh, you know, he'll be with us next time. Um, What's been going on? It's been a while. It's been I, I, probably three months since I've recorded something. I know you guys it, did a show with Anna, um, yeah. which I remember the day that that show came out, I was driving to the office and I, was, I listened to it in the car and I thought, you guys have just basically talked about my life at the moment, right? So for those folks who life. haven't, yeah, for those folks who haven't kind of gotten to uh, episode 48, Digital fatigue—it's—it's it's a real thing, man. And and I tell you what, I think it's—it's uh, it's just getting, at least for me personally, it's been—it's getting worse. Like not being able to do anything. Yeah. It's really cold here in the U.S. now, so I, I'm not even outside as much as I would, you know, even in my own yard as as I would be. Um, it, yeah, it's it's meeting fatigue is it's it's becoming a problem. Um, so, yeah. uh, you know, but hey, excited to be talking again. Um, what's been going on with you? You know, I've been, I've been fixing customers, and uh, it's, this is kind of like a little mini segue in terms of what we're going to talk to Donovan about. But you know, the amount of exposure and the amount of risk that's out there with COVID is just ridiculous. It's like the same yeah. people who would be attacking us now have got less to do and have got more time to be attacking us, and we had customers taken for ridiculous amounts of money because of really, really, really basic things, like ridiculously basic, to the point where uh, one of our customers moved to cloud because they had to in a hurry. You know, it's it's Corona, so everybody go to cloud. Teams, yay! And Teams is wonderful, except it's not wonderful when identity isn't nailed down. Mm. And they didn't even have MFA in place. So I don't want to talk about the kill chain yet. I think we'll get there <laughs> later on in the show. But the kill chain was really simple and an invoice was generated that went to a department that got paid for a ridiculous amount of money. And the story just rinsed and repeated. We got incident calls. We asked, where are you at? Oh, we're in the cloud. We should be safe. Really? Mm. And so don't want to spoil anything on this conversation. I want to respect the fact that we've got a, that we have got Donovan here and we want to attack his big brain and get as much value out of it for our listeners. So yeah. that's been my my last couple of months, and it's been um, 
I think December petered down nicely, then January just started with a wild sprint and we're still sprinting. And I mm -hmm. think the rest of the world is there. You know, that's been very much my my kind of uh, experience over the last few months too. And in, in just a mini rant here, but I still talk to customers that are like, that, they, 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 one, they don't take the threat seriously, but two, they don't take Microsoft seriously, right? And 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 I, I realize we're a little biased on the show and I, I'm open to, I'm happy to admit that, but if you're using Office 365, you have no excuse not to use MFA, right? And yeah. and so when, when you get customers that say, well, hey, we don't see Microsoft as a security vendor and we haven't decided on our MFA platform yet, you're like, that's, that's a bit of bit of a risk right there, but you know. Anyway, I digress. I'll I'll get off my soapbox at least for now. Um, so Donovan Donovan's here. We we wanted to talk about this thing, right? Um, now, when you think about uh, threats at the moment and threats we're facing, obviously work from home and Corona is a big thing. But we we all tend to kind of gravitate, at least for me anyway, towards mm. kind of email as an attack vector, right? But there are there there are ways that uh, that the bad guy is you know, harvesting and, and re doing reconnaissance that doesn't always involve email or it is at least it happens before email. Yeah, I mean, um, you guys. Sorry, sorry, guys. Before yeah. we go down this road, should we introduce Donovan? We did. Did we? <laughs> well, kind of, sorta. Um, well, let's let's. What does let's Donovan do? Yes, let's do it again. What does Donovan do? And if if if, Sorry, if I Donovan. messed up really badly, I'll just I'll just edit this out. And if it's not, then you know people just laughing. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. We're just having a conversation. Yeah. Sorry, Donovan. Yeah. Absolutely. Should I go ahead and introduce myself? Or yes, please. Please do. Uh, yeah. So my name is Donovan. Uh, I work. Uh, I'm a sales engineer or SE uh, for a company called SpyCloud, and we specialize in the ATO space. Uh, but part of part of what I do is not just um, you know working and supporting a sales team. Uh, part of what I do is is investigations. Uh, so before we talk to customers, um, I will do a query against our you know breach catalog uh, or data lake. And at this point, we have uh, over thirty one thousand breaches that we've ingested, um, over one hundred and ten billion records over uh, 90 or 100 billion plain text passwords wow. to see how much exposure that that account that I'm going to talk to has. And it's shocking to me, it's shocking uh, the amount of data that we have. And I showed I showed Chris some of this uh, a week ago when him and I chatted about this. Um, so that's that's kind of high level what I do. And then, you know, I also support uh, teams that use our back end uh, uh, for fraud, you know, or criminal investigations, um, you know, big companies that have uh, pretty mature security teams where they're constantly chasing down fraudulent activity or criminal activity. I support them in, you know, kind of using the tools that we have or, you know, in some cases we use OSINT, you know, techniques, open source intelligence techniques. Sometimes it's a combination of our data and a bit of OSINT work to find, you know, a, a fraudster or a criminal uh, online. Uh, I mentioned to Chris too, we work with law enforcement agencies. Uh, a lot of the three letter agencies, um, I'll just mention the FBI as one of them. 
um, these guys, Interpol, they use our data uh, because it's um, we're constantly ingesting new breaches. And I'll talk a little bit about our, uh, you know, the, the way that we get the breaches, uh, which is what's you know separates us from uh, your typical threat intel platform or companies that that claim that they uh, do ATO. Uh, most of the most of the other companies in the space typically will scrape the dark web uh, for you know breach you know lists. Uh, those are often you know stuff that's recycled that's been around for you know a decade and you know maybe there will be a small other list and they'll merge it and create a combo list and resell it we're constantly in underground communities forums chat rooms um you know social engineering the bad guys basically out of out of new breaches and that's kind of what we do and then we have tools that we built on how to either ingest our data or how to automate the process of, uh, you know, remediating uh, your environment. So if a user, you know, uh, logs into your, your, you know, AD and they have a, a password that's been seen in a breach, you know, that we have a product that automates the process of letting them know that their credentials has been seen in a third party breach and then, you know, requesting that they change their password. That's kind of high level uh, what my role is and uh, and the company that I work for. Uh, you guys hit the nail on the head with, you know, uh, the shift that's happened, right? Um, ATO has been around uh, for a long time. Uh, people have been, you know. And ATO stands for? Account takeover. Basically breaches, right? Mm. Where uh, a company gets uh, their, their, you know, user uh directory credentials gets breached uh in in some shape or form uh if you think back i mean gosh you know linkedin was about a decade ago maybe even longer uh where you know uh criminals got access to their user names and passwords uh there's been so many other examples but i think what's happened and why it's it's become a lot more visible now is has been COVID. uh if you think about what the pandemic has done to our new normal, to our to our world, it's it's completely changed our digital world, right? Um, uh, the uptick of you know online banking, um, you know the proliferation of accounts, uh, you know streaming, right? Services, food delivery services, all the things that we need now mm-hmm. uh, in this work from home world that we live in has just you know, super expanded, you know, uh, the, the online communities. And it's essentially just created, and, and I think Nick, you mentioned this too, the amount of screen time that, that mm. there is now has just exploded. So there's, there's a lot more people online. There's a lot more accounts. A lot of, uh, a lot of this has happened rapidly. So people have, have not put in place, you know, MFA and, and other, you know, tools that make it a little more difficult for, for uh, you know, the bad guys to get into accounts uh, because of this rush to get, you know, to get their content online. So it's expanded the attack surface um, and it's global. And uh, it's, you know, essentially just created this uh, vulnerable, uh, you know, consumer space and, uh, you know, a playground for, for, for bad guys uh, in the account takeover space.
there's a, there's a lot to unpack with that, right? I you know I mean I think um, I think most listeners would probably be familiar with uh, Troy Hunt and the work he does with with Have I Been Pwned? But essentially, he's only you know scraping the surface. <laughs> forgive the pun, right? Of of that because he's he's pulling in all the breach data that you can go and validate your 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 username against, um, but you never know whether that username was breached uh, 10 years ago or, or yesterday, right? And so um, I was, and I guess the, the reason the episode came about was I was shocked when, when Donovan and I had a sit down and we were looking at some of the stuff and he said, well, let me, let me, let me uh, query or, re, you know, do an investigation into you, into you. And I'm like, hey, I, you know, I feel like I'm fairly savvy with, with keeping my personal info. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I might be, but people who I, provide my data to may not be as good. I mean, there there was yeah. data breaches there that I didn't even know these places had been breached, right? Um, where, you know, they have absolutely all of my information. So it's pretty scary when you do that. And then when you're able to use, I guess, the, the, the analytics of being able to map some of these things together, um, uh, you know, it's a scary, it's a scary thought, but I thought, well, as consumers, we're constantly thinking about well, you know, I left. I gave my data to X Y Z company, and um, hang on, I, I gave my data to X Y Z company. Let's not get into that. <laughs> um, and they got breached, and so now that you know, username, password, and personal data is is out there, right? But we never really think about this in a business context, mm. which when when you shift your mind into the mind of a CISO or you know a security manager or or, or someone within the security team at an organization doesn't matter if it's a hundred user or a hundred thousand user org, all of a sudden that's a lot more scary than just going, ah, oh, Pizza Hut lost my data. You know, I don't know that Pizza Hut necessarily lost my data, but I'm just as an example, right? Uh, so uh, yeah, you kind of get, get kind of um, a little nervous about that. And then, and, and of course, then you start thinking, well, what's the, what not only what is the solution, but what are all the possibilities of which these, this data can be used, right? And immediately in my mind, we were talking earlier about um, phishing attacks and, and email being, you know, that sort of number one entry point still. Well, if I know everything about you, doesn't it make it so much easier for me to craft an email that you're more likely to actually click on? Because this that's been very much tailored around you, your background, your education, your whatever, right? Because I've been able to harvest that information um, just just off the internet. It happened to me today, actually. And a, a colleague came to me and said, I sent you a mail or I replied to your message or forwarded you a message, actually, that you sent to me my name, spelled correctly, which is... Um, interesting because my, my, my name's got a slightly unusual spelling and my, my name that was spelled correctly came from some strange email address but the 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 display name was was set correctly and said do this thing urgently which also recognizes the hierarchy in the company because it was an email to one of my heads of department and I'm the CEO so you know email from the CEO to a head of department saying do this thing urgently but she had the foresight to go look at the email, mm. look at the display name, forward me the mail saying, is this thing valid? And the cool thing was it was actually caught in, in our, our spam filter as well. And so lots of checks and balances happened there, which is great. But 
I'm going to suspect that this was a highly automated process that knew what the hierarchy was in a particular company and was able to harvest two sets of information, therefore craft a phishing campaign based on, on leaked or compromised information. Yeah, that's that's that sounds exactly right. I saw this great tagline uh, the other day <clears throat> on an article that said attackers don't break into your environment, they walk in. Uh, and to to Chris's point too, um, I'll tell you guys something else that we're collecting a lot of these days is what we call botnet data. So oh, yeah, essentially users that have malware on their systems. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm amazed when I see the amount of data that we get on a particular user. Uh, to your point, Chris, you know, um, not just, you know, address, IP address, geolocation, ethnicity, your mortgage rate, your salary range, you know, uh, uh, just a, a religious, you know, preference. I mean, uh, wow. data that a criminal can use to spearfish you and really craft a very, very clever message. And to us in in the IT communities, you know, we, we've been around for decades. You know, uh, a lot of us, some of us use password vaults. You know, we we're, we're security conscious. We've become security conscious. But there's a lot of people out there that that are not at that level. So uh, they become, you know, uh, they become targets and people that have malware on their systems and are not aware of it you know, doesn't matter if they change their password. Um, the command and control traffic sends the new password back to, you know, back to uh, home base. And we see this uh, a lot and we report on this a lot and that's in our data too. And I'm, I'm just amazed at the amount of PII information mm. uh, that we have on, on, on some users. And here's the other thing, uh, and I showed Chris a little bit of this. Um, I could run a, you know, I could run a query against our data on a, you know, let's say an email address, <clears throat> maybe a corporate email address. And I might find a couple of records, maybe username, password, or email address, password, a uh, few other attributes, maybe phone number, IP address, that kind of stuff. And then I'll take some of those attributes, like IP address, for instance, and I would go to uh, this link analysis tool that we use uh, called Multigo. Uh, coincidentally was developed by a South African company. Uh, a lot of law enforcement agencies use this. We use it to uh, pretty mature security teams use it too. And it allows you to run transforms off of certain attributes. So you can pivot from one data point and say, okay, let me pull out this IP address. And now I wanna see if there are any other records in our data that has the same IP address. And I sometimes start with one email address, maybe two records that I found on an email address. And once I pivot off that IP address, I'll find 200 more. Um, and now all of a sudden I have data on that person's kids because they're using that computer at home, the URLs that they're going to, their login credentials, addresses, uh, and it just blows the doors wide open. Uh, in fact, I'm I'm doing a demo later today for a customer where I'm showing them exactly that, where I found an employee, uh, where there was a couple of, you know, entries in our data, but then I pivoted off that employee's IP address and found, I think, 200 additional records. 
um, which just shows how exposed that person is, um, you know, how how owned they are essentially. And this is this is the scary part. Botnets is is becoming a huge part of the you know criminal underworld uh, because it's you know uh, it's it's collecting so much more information about you know either a company or or a user that uh, criminals use. So that's something that that's become more and more prevalent and you know I think we're going to see more and more of that going forward. So so uh, hang on Chris I just got to ask you something there because I I've got um, I've got teenagers at home and yeah. we tried to talk to them about things like privacy and they were saying so what so what if someone has my credentials who am i you know somebody and you you watch the the social dilemma and you you watch the the various docu series that are out there that talk about how our data is farmed and owned and that type of thing and their their responses and actually most of my non or even some of my IT literate friends would go shoulder shrug. So what? How am I possibly impacted with my information that I give out freely for the exchange of free services? Or somebody, somebody hacks my email address. I change my password. Who cares? Well, they should care. <laughs> um, so something that's that's you know that's increased here in the U.S. too uh, is uh, fraudulent unemployment benefits. Uh, for one, that's one example where you don't necessarily need uh, someone's online banking, you know, information. But what you need, what you do need, is you need some basic information to be able to file unemployment, you know, benefits on their behalf. And so since COVID happened. And there was, uh, you know, a lot of you know people that have lost their jobs and companies that downsized. Uh, that's been a that's been a big fraudulent uh, activity. And all you need is a certain amount of data on a specific user to go file unemployment benefits on their behalf. So the criminals are always going to find a way, um, you know, to try to scam you out of something. And and in children in kids' case. You know, there are online gaming communities. Um, there may be some, you know, rewards points that they mm. use in a, you know, specific uh, gaming genre that they're playing. Uh, that that's a that's a you know valuable asset to the bad guys. Um, hey, I, I mean, if you're an online predator preying on young children, that could be a, you know a valuable asset to you too, yeah. right? Yeah. But the, the something that kind of I think has. I, something I've been thinking about over the last uh, <clears throat> few days uh, because of some other conversations I'm having with some other folks is um, the user community within companies, right? And so you made the point, uh, Nick, like, you know, teenagers, most a lot of people just don't, they don't kind of understand the, 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 the problem here. But if you think about uh, organizations, w when do you typically talk to your users uh, as a business, right? You you might talk to them if you're making some sort of change or there's an outage or do you know what I mean? But it's not a, for, for a lot of organizations, it's not a continuous thing of like, hey guys, threats and threat actors are continuing to get smarter, right? But organizations are not bringing the user community on this journey of, because at this point in time, you can't just rely on the security team to keep everyone in the organization safe. Sure, these are the guys, you know, these are the folks who need to make the decisions around policy and, and product and, and all of that. 
but I think that every user these days, every employee within um, an organization has some form of responsibility to keep that organization's data safe, right? And if you, it, it, you know, a lot of organizations, I don't think necessarily would communicate it in that way, but I think personally that you need to bring your your team, your 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 employees on this journey with with you as an organization. So continuous education, and 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 by that I don't mean blasting them with a weekly email that is 17 pages long because we all know yeah. no one's going to read that, right? Um, uh, or what I've seen a lot of companies do, which I I always laugh at this, is um, they'll do like phishing campaigns like test you know test campaigns there are there are some products in the market that you can use to do that um but instead of being um constructive with the feedback on these things they will name and shame people who or departments who who, who click links right to me that's not uh, a, a way to educate your your workforce if you if you were to take you know an approach like that and maybe some other um uh, lunch and learn or some other approaches and you bundle this up and you come up with like a uh, like a employee education program around cybersecurity, I suspect for a lot of organizations that investment will be repaid, you know, multiple times over because of saved, you know, saved whatever, saved downtime, saved revenue, saved everything, reputation. Um, and, and I wonder why this is so difficult to get this message out. Right. And this is the thing that I've been thinking about. Um, I'm working on a blog post at the moment about this and, and it's been in my mind. And when I was talking to Donovan about account takeover, kind of the two of those things just collided for me. And, and I kind of went, well, hang on, like there's this challenge here with folks. Don't, folks don't always understand the, the problem with reusing passwords or why some of these things are. And no one takes the time to actually sit them down and go, hey, Here's why we can't do that. If you do this thing, it's going to result in that thing, which is going to result in that thing, and it's going to cause this, right? Mm -hmm. And when you can break it down to someone like that, it, they're a lot more likely to go, ah, I understand that now. Instead of saying, well, if you click that link, we're going to fire your ass. Like, that's not, that's, you don't, we can't work with people. We're not, it's not the 60s, right? You can't treat folks like that anymore. Yeah, you you bring up something interesting, Chris, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I want to I want to talk about this real quick too. Is not just the reuse of passwords. Um, people use they'll make slight changes to a password and think that that's okay. You know, maybe uh, add a you know special character exclamation point. Uh, maybe add a couple of zeros. And um, one of the things we do is we we look for, we call it fuzzy matches. So we'll do a scan on a password uh, and say, show me fuzzy matches for this password. And what you end up seeing is, you know, 50 additional or 100 additional passwords that have that same string in it, but it's got a few added characters to it. Well, the criminals can figure that out too. Um, so one of the one of the tools that we have is a is a product called Active Directory Guardian. So it snaps into your your AD you know tree, uh, and it does exactly that. So if somebody changes a password, you know we'll we'll do a fuzzy scan, fuzzy match, and see if there's other passwords that are similar to that password that has been seen in a breach. But yeah, that's that's exactly right. Um, you know, it's a fine line between. Um, you know, creating, you know, 
proper security awareness uh, in your in your you know user community, and not adding a lot of friction. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what we deal with a lot is, you know, uh, when we talk to customers uh, that have you know large consumer base, uh, they'll be like, well, we don't want to create any friction. You know, we we don't we don't want to force people to constantly change their passwords or, you know, we we want them to log in and use our our product or our our application. So there's some people that are willing to take some risk, um, you know, but I think this this is going to become more and more prevalent. Um, I think, you know, what happened with uh, solar winds, you know, last year was a was a great example of how sophisticated attacks have become. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, I read up a little. I was really interested in, you know, how these guys were able girls were able to embed their code in legitimate you know code and how how they got away with it and they were so crafty they early on in their reconnaissance process they created empty classes just to see if somebody would notice Uh, so no no code yet just empty classes in the code and nobody picked up on it so you know which just, you know, is a whole different discussion around, you know, code reviews and stuff like that. And, and I think that's going to become more, mm. it's a it's a bigger visibility now to development teams. But, um, you know, I think sophisticated attacks like that is, is not going to go away. It's going to become more prevalent. Um, and and identity-centric attacks is the way, you know, that attackers are, are trying to come into, you know, environments. Um, they're not creating zero-day malware anymore. Uh, it's too much work. You know, if they have legitimate usernames and passwords to to get into accounts, I think that's that's you know what they what the bad guys prefer. So, so you you make an interesting point about the code review stuff, right? And 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 I think that and this is definitely a uh, you know a, a rabbit hole for another another episode. Yeah. But for the longest time, I think developer teams have. St- started to understand that we need to start reviewing our code, right? We need to get some sort of security process around making sure that the code we're we're shipping or committing is 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 valid. Especially today with stuff being, you know, git committed to a hundred cloud you know, git repositories and you know all that stuff. But where I think this process breaks down still or is a little bit more immature is in the infrastructure teams who are writing script code, right? Because yeah. a lot of like I'm an infra guy. I like to script stuff. I don't see myself as a developer. But yet, when you look at, you know, the 200-line PowerShell script that I wrote to do this thing, that has the potential to cause a lot of damage if someone were to sneak in, you know, a few things there or if someone were to change some of those gets to sets, right? All of a sudden, uh, now we're doing a little bit of damage in the environment. And and so I think that we organizations need to start thinking about these code review processes across uh, you know, their um, infrastructure as code across their DevOps teams, not just looking at the developers and going, well, you're writing that application and we want to make sure that the code's secure. But like I said, that's a that's a rant for another another episode. We, we need to just make a note of that, Nick. Um, but uh, so what I wanted to ask you, um, fascinatingly or interestingly enough, is that, you know, we talked about Have I Been Powered? And I think that's a fantastic resource um, that's freely available to folks. But you guys go a little step further because you actually crack the passwords in these breaches, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So thanks for bringing that up. 
we uh, our process essentially is you know obviously step one uh, via our human intelligence you know team community all over the world you know personas that they manage um, infiltrate these you know underground communities uh, forums you know dark web uh, chat rooms whatever and we what happens is when a criminal breaks into an organization the uh, the first thing they do is because they get a huge dump right a raw file uh, huge not parsed not normalized they'll typically reach out to their network of trusted you know bad guys basically and say hey i've got this you know dump um what do I do with it? It's hashed passwords, obviously, you know, everybody wants it in plain text uh, because that, you know, becomes a lot more valuable. And at that point, they typically reach out to somebody, you know, uh, in our community. That's part of their community to, to a persona or to a person, you know, that manages a persona. And we'll say, yeah, let's let's, you know, give me the file. We'll take a look at it. And then uh, that's how, essentially how we social engineer them out of the data. And then we put it through a process where we parse the data, um, deduplicate it, obviously, by parsing, you know, uh, distinguishing uh, an IP address from a social security number or a phone number or a credit card number. Um, and then we put it through a password, you know, hacking uh, process. And we have a team dedicated to, you know, building that technology and it took a long time obviously um, but we focus on cracking the passwords so that you know when the data is is curated you know we have uh, a plain text password because that that is what becomes valuable and now we can you know map that to a hash and we can you know plug that into active directory and so when people are logging into an environment with credentials that's been seen in a breach, we can alert that user, we can alert the organization. We have tools built around protecting, you know, uh, people. But yeah, that's 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 the process essentially um, uh, that that we go through when we when we ingest a new breach, and we ingest breaches every week. Uh, once a week, um, you know, there's a there's an email that goes out that says, you know, we've uh, ingested X amount of breaches. Um, and it and it you know gets you know uploaded into our our breach uh, catalog, and like I said, we have over thirty one thousand breaches, and now we're we're starting to see a lot of this botnet data. So now we can see where the malware is. We actually show you on the C drive where the malware is on that endpoint, mm -hmm. and then the target URLs where these people that are infected with the botnet data is going to. And I'll just quickly mention this again, because we talked about development uh, teams and, and uh, development community. And not to you know say these guys don't care about uh, security, but I'd say they are more focused maybe on developing the functionality of whatever they're working on than focusing on security, right? Traditionally, development teams try they spin up environments quickly, you know, GitHub repositories. So a lot of times when I find, and it's easy to spot a developer, um, but, you know, I can see the target URLs that they're going to, which is Jira in the name or, you know, GitHub or Jenkins or Puppet or so I know that's a that person is probably a developer because of the tools 
hmm. or the name in the 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 server name you know that he's going to i can see that person is a, is a developer um and oftentimes in these you know git repositories they upload user data right because they're testing some piece of functionality and they'll have at least maybe a sample of of user data that they're uploading because they're testing some kind of functionality that they're building and that's where the bad guys get a lot of the data too um mm -hmm. you know get repositories that are not secure enough um that's that's what happened to solar winds too uh similar you know thing that happened to them so yeah absolutely um you know that's that's a discussion like we said for another for for another <laughs> I, so i have a quick story on on, yeah. on git repositories a couple of years ago i was in amsterdam doing a um speaking at a conference and i i had this really elaborate powershell automation demo that i had kind of come up with and the the basically it was a powershell script being kicked off by a, a form in in microsoft forms right and it would go off and connect to a tenant and do a whole bunch of stuff and then it would email report and it would also make a phone call uh, to the person who was kicking the, the 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 script off to tell them that things were done, and I used Twilio, the Twilio API, to do the phone call piece. And I was working. I still remember this because I was sitting in the uh, speaker room, you know, making some last minute changes to the script. And I hit commit to commit it to my GitHub repository, and I didn't take out my API key for the for the mm. API. Mm. And within like thirty seconds, I had an email from Twilio in my inbox saying. We found your API key in a GitHub repository. We have uh, we have uh, nuked it basically, and so I had to go generate a new key for, to make all this stuff work. But it was incredible to me that they, uh, you know, in in the greater scheme of Twilio's business, my you know however many dollars a month I spend with them is minimal, right? And yet they still have the secure. I guess the security processes in place to go. Hey, we're protecting you from yourself, buddy. So. That, yeah. that was awesome. I, that's what you just said just reminded me of that. But so what, what I wanted to ask, I guess we're we're coming up towards the end of the show here, and I we've been talking about all of the bad, here, here, right? We, you know, and I, if for those folks listening, I guess everyone's sitting there going, well, okay, you've told me how bad this is, but you haven't told me why I need to care about this yet, or what I can do to to kind of that's help, right? right? Now I think, as with all this stuff, there are some basic basic things that you can do to uh to help reduce the risk right number one multi-factor authentication i think that's like the new tagline for this show is have you enabled yeah. mfa yet and i might have to make some t-shirts or something like that but yeah. multi-factor authentication is a very i mean it isn't the be all and end all but certainly is going to help in a very large majority of these types of uh instances because it doesn't matter if the attacker has your password you know they can't necessarily do something with it right but then i also think that user education as we touched on uh, and that sort of um, awareness training is really important and as as an organization today in 2021 you should or have to have some form of cybersecurity awareness program within your business right i obviously the large very large organizations that have ridiculous compliance and regulatory um, requirements already have something like this and chances are it was built in the 90s and it has you know really old school video cpts or something right but i think that any organization today should have and can massively benefit from some form of cyber awareness training program that isn't just when the when the when the user joins the company you have to go through this video thing 
it's an ongoing process that gets that evolves as the threats evolve. I think that is, and and I, I realize it's a big ask, but I think that that's very very beneficial for 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 organizations. But then also, when we think about the the endpoint side of this, right? Get your endpoints in order, folks. Like it, it, there is no excuse to have a botnet persisting on an endpoint in today's world, right? It doesn't yeah. have to be a Microsoft product. There are tons of products out there, but keeping stuff up to date is it's so important. And I always have a chuckle slash cry to myself when I have conversations with customers and they give me a hard time about security, right? They, you can't have access to that because we're not going to compromise our security. Okay, I understand that. And then come to find you haven't patched your exchange server in five years. Or, you know what I mean? There's a there's a Windows 2003 server floating around in your network. Well, if you're going to be um, security conscious and you're going to be that pedantic about being secure, it goes across everything. You can't just be secure on the identity and forget about the endpoint is the point I'm trying to make here. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. You guys, you, you guys brought all this up. You talked about Teams earlier, uh, you know, uh, MFA. I was you know, found a site recently, a SharePoint site that had for a very large company that had no MFA in place. And it was, you know, really sensitive, you know, HR mm. stuff. Um, so, so I still see that all the time too. What's funny to me is sometimes when we, you know, we, we talk to a CISO or the CISO community and they, they'll say, well, you know, our budget is, for security is, mm. you know, really limited. And I'm like, really? Uh, is that is that the right approach to take uh, for an organization to you know be stingy on on security budget? Um, you know maybe we need to you know shift the way you know we we allocate budget um, because you know where our lives are online, you know everything is online. Everything we do is online. Mm. When was the last time you went to a bank? You know physically yeah. to a bank. Uh, everything happens online. And so. just think about the world we live in today right so you know a year ago so many companies had to do this like reactive scramble to the cloud just to keep productivity going yeah. like if they wanted to keep the doors open they had to go online and they had to go to the cloud and so we saw you remember last year we saw that like teams usage uh just skyrocketed right um but we're in a place now where this is almost like the new normal and the risk of getting it wrong if Imagine you're the person who controls the the logistics and the transport for a COVID vaccine, and you've left your logistics password, or your machine is infected with some botnet, and now someone now can reroute the trucks that you know. Do you know what I mean? Like you can come up with these scenarios, and they may seem really far fetched, but are they really that far fetched? Like, is it really that far fetched to think that someone would? Um, be able to mess with something the, the, i mean remember if you remember nick we we talked uh to um anthony bartolo uh at Te uh, ignite a couple of years ago about his customer in canada who had their refrigeration system yes. uh hacked through the phone line remember that yeah yeah i mean this is a but but again like think about the vaccine that stuff has to be i assume i'm not you know i have no medical training i assume that stuff has to be refrigerated or at least kept at some sort of consistent temperature. Um, everything's online these days, including refrigeration systems, right? Yes. The, the, the consequences of these little actions are can be quite catastrophic. So those basic things, I think, you know, start with multi-factor. If you don't already have it enabled for every account, it's important. 
Microsoft is a legit security vendor. Don't be scared, right? Um, yeah. And then the endpoint, there's, again, no excuse with the, with the endpoint. Keep those endpoints up to date. I think that's a very, very valuable takeaway. And the botnet situation, uh, you know, scares, really scares me because it can happen to so, it, so easily, right? Yeah, I agree. And Chris, I'll, I'll just throw a little plug in for ATO at the end here is, uh, you hit on all the things that are really critical for a security program. And then, you know, having awareness on the credentials that your consumers mm -hmm. or your employees are, are using, you know, hasn't been seen in a, in a breach before. Mm. You know, prompt that user to change their password, do a scan, you know, see if there's fuzzy matches for that password. So at least you, you know, you make it harder for the criminal, you know, to, to get into your environment. I'd say all of the things you guys mentioned and, and having that, you know, ATO visibility in, in, in your environment is going to give you so much more protection. So that actually brings up, uh, sorry, Nick, did you have some closing thoughts? No, not at all. Um, I wanted to ask Donovan where he, he wanted to be found, but we'll do that after your thought. No, that was, that was my thought. <laughs> yeah. So, so Donovan, go on. Go on. I was going to say, typically, uh, we, 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 we would uh, sort of give you the opportunity to just, you know, plug yourself. Um, if you want to be found on any social media platforms or um, data breaches, or if, um, if someone's interested in, I guess, getting in touch with you and what you guys are doing at SpyCloud, you guys and gals at SpyCloud are doing, um, you know, how can folks reach out to you? Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn, Donovan Stevens, D-O-N-O-V-A-N, Stevens with a V. Uh, my SpyCloud email address is donovan.stevens at spycloud.com. Um, so folks can, you know, shoot me an email, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm happy to, you know, uh, continue having a conversation about account takeover activity or even just checking, you know, if you want to check what your exposure is, you know, your your domain, your company domain, your, your email address. Uh, I'm happy to, you know, run a quick search and, uh, you know, let you know how many records we found, you know, in our in our breach data, and uh, we can go from there. Yeah, but thank thank you very much. I really enjoyed our conversation, Nick. I'd love to connect with you sometime and, and maybe show you some of the stuff that I showed Chris, uh, mm. too. Um, I think you know Microsoft is obviously a, a great partner for us because of our integration with Active Directory. Uh, I think you know uh, we snap into AD so so you know seamlessly. It's just a you know great benefit to anybody that uses Active Directory too. Sweet, yeah. And so let's, um, let's. Uh, uh, we, we've got a huge rabbit hole here. So <clears throat> I think we've got enough for another show and I think we might want to do a part two on this. Yeah, we can bring, we can bring Warren in. Warren, we miss you, buddy. Yeah, Warren, come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and on the second show, um, you know, maybe I'll show you guys some of this uh, investigation stuff that we do. It's yeah, really interesting. We can investigate Warren. What could go <laughs> wrong, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Donovan, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, guys. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Chris. Hey, everyone. Before you go, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. We really enjoy putting this podcast together for you every two weeks. Please visit us at thearchitects.cloud or alternatively drop us a tweet. We'd love to hear what you have to say. At the Cloud Arc. <laughs>